Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at the Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, taking your calls and your questions. Uh, and that's how the show works, 303-690-3000. That's the number to be on the air. And then you can always text me at 720-336-0897. And I know that quite a few of you text yesterday. I wasn't able to get to them all. Uh, so if you want to try texting again today, uh, we'll see what we can cover on uh, on the today's show. 303-690-3000. And would love to talk to you about the things of the Lord growing in grace together. Uh, Liz, if you're listening in Denver, Liz, uh, we prayed yesterday about a young man that ran away, and I would love to hear an update. Uh, and so if you can text it in or um, just call in, that would be great. But we all prayed yesterday for a young man uh, that had run away, and I'm curious uh, what the outcome was. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. And I got a text question here that says, Pastor Ed, please pray for my husband. He's currently going through some legal stuff, and it's taking a toll on our family, and it's so hard to see him struggle and feel defeated, and I've really been questioning my faith in the power of prayer. Uh, I was just with a man uh, in our church recently who also is having uh, some legal stuff, and it also has been taking a toll on his family, and yet um, it also has really been making him stronger in his relationship uh, with the Lord, and that's what I'm going to pray for your husband, okay? Father, I ask that you would um, show yourself in a very real way to this man through this trial, um, very difficult legally, financially. Uh, it's taking a toll on his marriage, on his family, and it's very hard for his wife to see him struggle, God. And <clears throat> I pray for your perfect will to be accomplished and to be done, Lord, that... Uh, through this legal issue, uh, this brother's faith would be made stronger. But it's hard, God, and it's hard for everyone to watch him. And we just readily admit that to you, Lord. We don't shy away from the truth. We don't pretend it doesn't didn't happen. It's hard. And God, I'm reminded of what you said to Paul when he cried out to have that thorn removed. You said, and the answer to his prayer was, you're not going to remove the thorn. But instead, you're, you're going to reveal yourself in strength in place of his weakness. And I pray that in my brother's life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 303-690-3000 is the number. Laverne is calling from Fort Collins, Colorado. Laverne, welcome to the program. 
Hi, my name is, of course, you know my name. Uh, well, anyhow, uh, my prayer request is about a friend. Um, she's uh, got, I guess, uh, stage four lung cancer. And okay. her family situation is really complete terminal. Not uh, not her family, but she had gotten married a second time. And the second okay. time, kids are really uh, causing a lot of grief for her. So if you could pray for that situation and you know, maybe a recovery. I mean, the Lord is the great physician. I'd appreciate it. Okay, Laverne. Father, we pray for Laverne's friend who has just met with great trial and his, you know, her marriage, uh, her health. Uh, and I pray God that you would touch her according to, uh, your will. You're Jehovah Rapha. You're the God who heals. And we pray for that healing touch and that, that healing power to be made manifest in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Laverne. Alrighty. Bye-bye. <clears throat> 303-690-3000 is the number, uh, taking your calls and your questions. Uh, let's go over to Chris in Baltimore. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you. How are you doing, Pastor? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. What can I do for you? Well, I have a question. Okay. Um, there's someone at, at work that was once saved, and now she's uh, no longer believes as much. And uh, the point that I made to her was, you know, why would Jesus die for us. Why would he go through being crucified through a horrible death like that if it if it wasn't real, if it, if, he, if he, you know, wasn't doing it to save our save us, save our it was for our sins. And she just thinks that it's possible that maybe someone was willing to go through a crucifixion just to make a point and start up a religion. So how do we know that sure. Jesus did die for us? Oh, well, I mean that's that's a great question. It's a, actually a pretty common question because um the answer to that question will either eliminate the need to follow God in Christianity as revealed in the Bible, or a, it will present a compelling uh, evidence to make a decision to follow him, because that's his, his strongest claim, uh, Jesus, where even though the Bible doesn't anywhere, doesn't any, any place record these exact words, Jesus saying, I am God, uh, on many other occasions, uh, he claims to be God when he says, uh, for example, in John chapter 10, verse 30, uh, I and my Father are one. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, you're just reading the Bible and it's circular evidence. You know, you're usually circular reasoning, except that the Bible records that the people listening to him uh, actually believed what he said. They believed him in what he said because that's what got him crucified. What, what got him crucified was that the Jewish religious leaders were very threatened by his life and believed that he was a blasphemer by what he said. For example, in John chapter 8, verse 58, he says, I and the Father are one. Uh, he says, you know, before Abraham was, I am. He uses the very I am statements as God did in Exodus uh, chapter 3. Um, and so we believe that Jesus is God, number one, because he claimed to be, and number two, he proved to be. And so in your friend's reasoning, we have to ask ourselves, is she A, uh, or he, you know, your friend, is your friend A, except, we'll say that again? No, so I said it's a she. Okay, is she A, agreeing what Jesus said is true, uh, that he did claim to be God, 
that he was crucified. And then the third thing, in order to start this religion, right, is does she believe that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead? Because that's the hinge. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the hinge on which all of Christianity turns. Without a resurrection, then there's no proof. And there that not only did Jesus Christ rise again, but there was ample evidence um, of eyewitness accounts of his resurrection. So, and, and again, to undermine the thought that the Bible's, you know, we're using circular, circular reasoning is that by the time the accounts of the witnesses were written down in the first century, many of those so-called witnesses were still alive and could have easily refuted the fact that, no, I wasn't there, that's a lie. They say I was. there were 500, but I was there, and it wasn't true. But not only did no one in the first century refute, refute those claims, but 11 out of the 12 followers of Jesus, you know, we know for sure, his, what known as his 12 disciples, gave up their lives martyred death, really with the exception of John. But they tried to kill John. Uh, so 10 of the 11 that were left died a martyr's death, clinging to the truth that Jesus Christ not only was God, but he rose again from the dead to prove it. Okay. So let me suggest a book to you uh, that it maybe your friend would be willing to read. It's called um, The Case for Christ. Can you hang on one by... second? I'm actually, I'm actually driving and talking to you, but I do have a pad. Let me just glance back okay. and forth. Uh, what was the name of it again? Case for Christ? As in C-A-S-E. Yes. And it is a testimony of a man by the name of Lee Strobel, who was a, an investigative journalist and was compelled to investigate the claims of Jesus Christ and ended up getting saved while he was doing that. Huh. It's pretty okay. powerful and, and very thorough. So how do we know that the eyewitnesses' accounts were, were true? I mean, because it was a man that wrote whatever you know, part of the Bible that states it, right? Well, how do we know that the eyewitness accounts are true is that you have multiple eyewitnesses. So, for example, um, multiple eyewitnesses are identified as well as, again, alive at the time to refute the claim. So, for example, let's say, let, let's start here. Let's say, hey, uh, I, know, I know Chris in Baltimore. He calls into the show and uh, Chris uh, flew a kite and discovered electricity. And I wrote that down. I posted it on my blog. And I made a big deal about it. But you know what? Chris in Baltimore is still alive. And so he sees that blog with his name on it and writes, Hey, Ed, you're a liar because I'm still alive and what you're saying is a lie. That would be compelling uh, evidence. That would be a compelling statement to undermine my statements, right? Right. So the people that were, the, the people that saw, the people that are claimed to be witnesses did not, re they were alive when these things were written. So it's like if I wrote, so-and-so saw Jesus alive, and they read it, they could easily come back and say, uh, no, uh, I was there, and you're lying about me. And, you know, that would be, that wouldn't just be one little occasion. That would be literally hundreds of occasions that would be founded in history. It would be somewhere in some history book, some, some analog of that first century writings, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe uh, Josephus would have wrote on it or Pliny the Elder or, you know, countless 
countless people could have said, I was there and they're lying. And and that that's compelling evidence. Like all we all we can do is allow the evidence to move us in one direction or another. Uh, and again, you have 11 people, excuse me, you have 10 people, really, we'll, we'll include John because they tried to boil him in oil, um, that at any time could have said, I was, we were lying, we stole the body, or we, you know, any of the different theories that, that have been thrown out there of what might have happened uh-huh. with Jesus and your friends offering another one. Um, that, you know, why didn't he, some guy just die so he can start a religion? And as a matter of fact, there were people that did try to start religions prior to Jesus Christ uh, that that um, didn't take, you know, it didn't, people follow, but then it fell apart. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, Gamaliel, uh, in the Bible, Gamaliel says, you know, there are people that have come before, let me just look it up for you, um, and... He says, people came before, you know, if it's from the Lord, if it's from God, let it go. Uh, we can't do anything about it. Um, but if it's not, it will go away. And so let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 34, it says, uh, Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people. Uh, he said, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you're going to do to these men, because they were going to hurt and kill the followers of Jesus. Because he says, some time ago, Thudius rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him, but he was slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered, and it came to nothing. Then another guy, Judas of Galilee, rose up. He drew many people after him, but he also perished. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And so you, what your friend is suggesting actually did happen, but not with Jesus. Mm. You know, okay. we, we also have eyewitness account of, like, for example, if your friend called me and asked me what, if she was on the line with me right now, she was, well, I don't believe any of those witnesses. I want one, I want a witness that's more recent. And I would tell her, well, I'm an eyewitness of the, of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Because the, the, the condition of my life at the time of faith, when I was born again, was such that only the power of God could change me. Um, I, I was unable to change myself. I was unable to get out from the pit and the the consequences and everything that was in my life. I wasn't able to save my own life. And I met Jesus Christ personally. Uh, he saved my soul. And I've been following him and walking with him now for 28 years. And I'm an eyewitness of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Like I haven't seen him physically, but I have seen him spiritually time and time again. And, and you know, anecdotally, I make a I make a little joke uh, whenever we get back from Israel because we did come back from Israel. But there's a tomb there uh, that is known as the Garden Tomb, and we always get to go into it, and it's still empty. And anywhere else you find a tomb, um, it will be empty because Jesus Christ is not there. Um, why don't you do me a favor? Uh, this is just stuff off the top of my head, but I know um, I have some resources on my computer. Why don't you email me, and okay. I'll send you an article on resurrect on reasons to validate you know evidence of the resurrection that would be great um, to have it in writing rather than try and remember um yeah. so is it pa- so ed taylor or, i mean just go ahead what's the, what's the 
What's your email? Uh, Pastor Ed. Pastor Ed. Uh huh. At Calvary Aurora, C A L V A R Y A U R O R A dot org. A U R O L A. O R A. O R A. Yeah, I just pulled up an article right here. There, are th- let's see. Uh, my friend Don Stewart, he he has thirty questions on the resurrection. It's um, <laughs> get ready for it, bro. It's two hundred and fifty-eight pages, <laughs> but it's going to be good. Don Stewart is a genius, uh, and he hosts a radio program in Southern California, and he's he's a genius. So I, I just pulled it up right now. You email me, I'll flip that email around and send you the PDF. Okay, great. All right, thank you very much. All right, man. Hey to everyone in Baltimore. God bless you, bro. All right. Have, have, a, uh, have a blessed evening. Thanks again. Th- thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, 303-690-3000 is uh, the number. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and questions. What a great question. And I just want to point out uh, in, the, in the, the context of that question that Chris is ministering and serving as co-workers. And so for those of you that are reaching out, I was talking to a friend of mine that just moved to Florida, Keith. He's been ministering to his co-workers at Walmart. Uh, and and for those of you that are, are taking those steps of faith to serve and answer questions, and I know when you start getting these conversations, you don't know what in the world. Like some people come up with great questions that you feel ill-equipped to answer. Um, but it's okay that you tell your friend at work or your coworker, I don't know the answer but I'll find out. And it causes you to study and it causes you to read and it causes you to dig deeper. And then you go back with the answer and it's a beautiful thing. And we just, we need to pray. I'm going to do that right now for Chris's coworker and your coworkers as you reach out to them. So father, I do pray uh, as we know that information doesn't save anyone, Lord, but it does help uh, to bring a person to a place of surrender. And so I pray for Chris's coworker Uh, That this new information, this evidence, biblical and extra-biblical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, would be compelling enough to break down the barriers that Chris's co-worker and friend would surrender their life forever to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, give us us a call. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, Let's go on to line one is Debbie in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, Debbie, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Um, Hi. I, I just wanted to call and ask for a prayer request for the uh, our entire nation, because this whole abortion thing with the okay. abortion laws and all this stuff that's going on around it, I, I yes. just wanted to have a prayer moment for everyone to hear, but how do you do it? Okay, let's do that. Okay, Father, you see you. a nation. you see a nation that's turned their back upon you. And you know, we know, Lord, according to your word, that it's uh, our days are numbered as a, as a nation for our uh, murdering of millions of babies. And yet we also read in your scripture, God, that you're merciful and that you're gracious and that you give time to repent. And I know, God, that nations don't repent, but people do. And I pray for our governmental leaders. I pray for the, the, the absolute upside-down Un, un, it's unreal what we're seeing with our eyes and hearing with our ears, God. And I pray that you would forgive us. You forgive us as a church, Lord, for being silent, 
for sitting on our hands, for not standing up for the for the unborn or not standing up in the place of of those that don't have a voice for themselves, Lord, and that you would stir up a church for your name. Uh, God, that we would rise up to to be what, God, you have called us to be and to do what you have called us to do. And so, God, please stand in the gap and and prevent, Lord, these laws from continuing to be passed. And if they are, Lord, we pray for the moms and the dads that are thinking about abortion right now and, and are scared about an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy, Lord, that you would uh, even even the most hardened of hearts, Lord, you are able to save uh, and you are able to change. And so we pray that you would show mercy on us and that you would rise up the church to be your hands and feet on the earth today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Debbie. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. And it, it is true. You know, it is uh, It is true. It's 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 a travesty. Of what's happening in our world today, and and the and and I think it goes together too with the need for us to share the gospel. Um, you know, Marie and I, we were teenage parents, um, and I severely hurt her uh, by getting her pregnant at and at a very young age, while she was she was still in high school, and I was just finishing up my senior year, and uh, we. Uh, I looked around for a free pregnancy test uh, and didn't want to pay for it because I was the kind of person that would rather buy beer than pay for a pregnancy test. So we ended up pulling out during those days back in the 80s, we pulled out the yellow pages and there were big ads, free pregnancy test. And we picked one that was close to our school. And on our lunch break, we I borrowed my buddy Manny, Manuel's car and we drove over to this clinic. But what we didn't know that it, it was a abortion clinic. Um, I didn't know. Uh, Marie didn't know. And, and we weren't very religious people, although Marie was uh, in a very staunch Roman Catholic family. And I was in a re- Christian, you know, a religious family, but we weren't church-going people. Uh, and there was enough, praise God, there was enough of, of morality, it was enough of understanding God and the value of life in us that when they offered an abortion to these little kid, these two kids, basically, um, that we, we didn't. Um, we kept Eddie, and we're blessed to have him in our lives for 26 years. And uh, we—it was the hardest, the hardest part of our lives. It was the most difficult part. But God had a plan for that little baby, and that baby developing in Marie's womb and her giving birth to him at age 16. Um, Marie and I, um, you know, we didn't get saved until our early 20s, and then then we got married. Um, God used Eddie to keep us together, uh, at least keep us in proximity of each other. Um, and, and then when we got married, uh, which was a miraculous thing, we put him in a Christian daycare and he would come home with these, these, uh, uh, Bible lessons. And I remember him looking up at me with his big brown eyes once saying, daddy, do you have Jesus in your heart? And I thought, what in the world are they teaching this kid? And, and yet it was a softness. God was using that baby, um, that baby we chose to keep. And if you're listening to me right now, um, keep the baby, would you? Please don't have the abortion, please. There are many people that would adopt. I think of our own Katie and Ian Dizon, who just adopted a baby. Uh, and little Ezra uh, is officially a Dizon. And watching him grow up and just hearing his little dinosaur roar and seeing his personality, um, um, the, his, his, 
his biological mom chose to put him up for adoption and, and we're forever grateful. And Ian and Katie's life and Andrew's life, his big brother, uh, are forever changed. So if you're listening to me, uh, I know there's a lot of political ramifications. There's a lot of condemnation. There's, there's a lot of things surrounding abortion. But from the perspective of God, value life. Choose life. Life is valuable at any and every stage. And it, and, and it angers me personally, when people devalue life, whether a life is devalued in the womb or a life is devalued, uh, you know, in a coma or a life is devalued because of this idea of quality of life as if your measure of quality of life trumps God's giver of the giver of life. Um, it angers me with this move toward euthanasia uh, where the older you are, the less valuable you are. It's all across the board. The The devil is, it's a demonic influence um, that is directly related to his desire to kill, steal, and destroy. And so I just, I, I thank you, Debbie, for, for praying and bringing it to my mind today. And I, I pray, I'm asking you that might be considering abortion. You might be listening to this in the background somewhere at a at a coffee shop or somebody's playing on their computer or it might even be on in your in your car this radio program and god would have you to 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 bring that baby to term and to deliver that baby and perhaps raise that baby yourself or put that baby up for adoption but that baby is alive in the womb you have a real human being inside of you and at every stage no matter what happens to that baby no matter what happens physically value and choose life Life is more important than your opinion. Life is more important than anybody's counsel to you, any anybody, any doctor that tells you, you choose a life because you're going to have to live with yourself if you don't. And the enemy loves to condemn. And so choose life. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, we're taking your calls and your questions, uh, knowing that um, God meets us here as we... Um, come together and talk about the things of the Lord. I extended that discussion just a little bit because uh, we're coming up on our only break. Uh, so uh, we'll be back um, in just a moment. Well, we got a couple minutes, but we'll be back to the second half. This is Calvary Live, 303-690-3000. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor at Calvary Church here in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, we are studying verse by verse through the book of Hebrews uh, this Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.45 and 10.45. And we'd love the pr uh, privilege of serving you. Bring your unsaved friends. Bring your co-workers to our church. That They will hear the gospel. It will be proclaimed. The love of God will be put before them. Um, we will ask for, for an, an, a response to the, and an invitation to follow Jesus Christ. And all the while, you're also learning how to share the gospel. And so we're going to be dealing with chapter 7. If you guys know uh, Hebrews at all, it's... This uh, idea of of uh, um, the idea of of well, I just had a uh, <laughs> I just completely lost my train of thought. Uh, what was I saying? Three oh three six nine zero. Oh, chapter seven in Hebrews. I don't know what happened there. Melchizedek. Who is this guy, Melchizedek, and how? Why is he so important to the high priesthood of Jesus Christ? Uh, I know that uh, you don't normally talk about Melchizedek, but because it's in the Bible, we're going to teach you about it. You're going to learn about chapter 7 of Hebrews 
uh, and we're going to learn about Melchizedek. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, I can tell you right now, uh, that I'm not going to spend a lot of time with all the different theories and things, but we are going to study the whole chapter. We're going to go it all. Um, we're going to tackle it all. It's going to be great. 303-690-3000. All the lines look to be f- pretty full. Yep. So text me. And and Liz, if you're listening in Denver, would you please text me or call in? Uh, did we find that little guy that ran away? Um, uh, and I, I just um, can't get it off my mind. Um, did he ma- did did we find did the little guy that ran away come home yesterday? Uh, was he found safe? Uh, would you please? Unfortunately, I didn't see anything on the news, so that's good news. Um, but would you please call or text Liz? Um, whether the guy that ran away, the little eight or nine year old that ran away yesterday, did we find him? 303-690-3000-720-336-0897. My name is Ed Taylor. We'll be right back with Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of today's edition of Calvary Live, taking your calls and your questions. We've got full lines, so I'm just going to jump right to the phone lines. We're going to pick up in Elizabeth, Colorado, Elizabeth, Colorado, Jeremy is on the line. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Thank you, brother. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Um, I do just got back from Israel, and um, one of the the greater things that I I expected and and didn't get a chance to see was this this hope to to celebrate publicly, um, you know, our, our, our God. And one of the things that kind of came about that I was hoping to finally ask with the predominant Judaism in Israel was, what disqualifies Jesus according to um, Jews in, in their strictest form uh, as they continue to look for the Messiah? What, what disqualifies Jesus? And I could, I could see it a little bit better then that they perhaps were overlooking the prophecies. But now, with the opportunity to look back and confirm all of the claims of the Scriptures— what still disqualifies them from them, do you know? Well, in a general sense, uh, they, they, the Judaism, current Judaism, rejects the Messiah, Jesus as Messiah, in total. Um, and a few thoughts that behind that. One is they, they believe that Jesus did not fulfill uh, the prophecies that are spoken of mm. and think that their Messiah will still come. Um, secondly, um, they don't believe that Jesus physically embodied the qualifications of Messiah. Uh, they don't. Cl- they don't. They don't believe Jesus was a prophet. Um, they don't believe that um, Jesus is born a, a true descendant of David, um, and they don't believe he kept the Torah. Uh, I mean, we can go on and on. They don't agree with the virgin birth. Um, they don't believe crucif- the, the Messiah would be crucified. Like, like they miss. Um, they miss completely the messianic promises that prophesy the the giving of of the fact that the, they miss the complete messianic prophecies that Jesus Christ would be uh, a suffering Messiah, not a conquering king. Uh, they miss the they miss the the complete first coming 
and a second coming as, as taught in scriptures. Um, they, they don't, they believe that Christianity is, is not a complement to Jewish theology. They believe that, uh, Christianity is against, uh, Judaism. And one of the biggest issues they have with, that Jews have with Christianity today is the Trinity. Um, mm. they don't believe, uh, in the Trinity whatsoever. Um, and I mean, you can go on and on. I mean, I think in a, in a biblical, the biblical answer, you know, so those are some practical answers, but the biblical answer is the Bible says that they are blinded in part. Right. Uh, and, and they are physically blinded because they rejected Messiah. They are spiritually blinded, uh, at this point and only God can remove the scales from their eyes. Yeah, yeah, amen. I, I just thought uh, one of the things that I, I, of course, I get the benefit of looking at it from a, a position of, of grace and salvation. Um, yes. And it, so it seems obvious to me, of course, but as I try to understand from the other side of the fence, uh, through sound reasoning and logic, like, where where's the mess? And I, I guess I can see that better now with just, you have to dismiss so many things, Um and in so doing, you can very easily disqualify if, if you just absolutely dismiss them despite their validity. Well, and unbelief puts you in a place of darkness. You know, the, right. uh, taking away, let's take away the, the nationality part of this, although the Bible does make that distinction. Let's just put this, put this question back into the realm of, of humanity. Um, the Bible says that they were born in sin. Uh, they were born in unbelief. Just like everyone else, so so okay. they have you have the commonality uh, of of the human race, but then you have the specific descriptions, both in the scriptures and in their life. And isn't it fascinating? I know the first time that I went to Israel many years ago, I was I was I don't know that I was shocked, but it was a eye opening experience to 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 walk the Holy Land, uh, or what's termed the Holy Land, but to be in that place and to write to to sense just how. Dark. Uh, unspiritual it is like it's a very yeah. secular nation uh yeah and, and of course if you went on a tour we try to prepare our teams when we take a tour we we try to remind them that it's going to also be very commercial and touristy and yeah. so you actually have to plan and and can and and really prepare to get your mind a, away from the tourist part to enjoy where you are um yeah. And then after a couple trips, though, because I have been, um, we're trying to determine whether I've been 12, I've taken teams there 12 or 13 times, but now having been there many times, um, this is what Je- this is the world Jesus came into. So yeah. I don't know what we were expecting, like everybody's, oh, and, you know, it's, <laughs> right? no, this is exactly the same world that Messiah came into. Everybody was doing their own thing. People were getting ripped off in the name of religion. Uh, it, it angered him. They were hurting people, suffering people, and the most of the world didn't care. Yeah. And and it's not unlike, and not only that, but I know, I, I don't know if you noticed all around Jerusalem pri- primarily, even when you start to to drive into Jerusalem, there is, I, I forget his name, but there are pictures of this bearded guy all over Israel, everywhere. Oh, yeah, um, that, that, that prophet guy. Yeah, so I'm on all yeah, the Yeah, they think he's a Messiah. Signs. Yeah. yeah, he's, the, the, many people follow that guy as Messiah, and, and he's been dead for 20, 30 years. Yeah. No resurrection. <laughs> Without <a> so. resurrection. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate you taking the time to help me see that better. You're welcome. That's a great question, and it's fresh on my mind because we just got back a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, me too. And so that's that's 
one of the things that I, I just I thought, you know, I don't have an answer to that because I've not studied Judaism well enough to know. Yes, and, and so, it's okay because, you, you know, we spend that time studying the Bible because the Bible right. will take you and give you the full orb perspective of all of the plan of God and, and won't keep you uh, so myop- myopic on one topic. So it's okay that you haven't studied deeply on Judaism because the Bible still answers the questions. That's right. That's right. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I've convinced people that uh, the FBI doesn't use uh, the latest technology to discern counterfeits. They just study the true ones so well that's right. that uh, anything off or separate can be recognized as false. That's correct. So, yeah, I, I, I maintain that, too. Okay, brother. Thank you, sir. Talk to you God soon. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, I got a text question real quick here. Have you considered teaching more on end times prophecies since we're so close to the end times? Yes. The answer is yes. Stay tuned. 303-690-3000. Micah, Cheyenne, Wyoming. White Micah, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, so what I'm calling about is I work in an environment where um, the traditional curse words, they're just pretty normal language. Um, yes. They used to bother me a lot, and then less so and less so. And then it became pretty normal speech for myself, too. At that point, it bothered me a lot. I prayed a lot about it and asked for help with dealing with that. But then over time, it just hasn't got any better, and it's bothered me less and less and less. And now I'm just kind of worried at the spot I'm in. Like, am I bad soil or a a salty spring, or why doesn't this bother me anymore, and how do I stop? Well, first of all, uh, we have to live in this world and have to work in this world. And so whether it's a workplace with vile language or, you know, my my daughter and where she works, they play all this crazy music all the time. And so she doesn't have a choice. She has to work in that building with the music playing. And, and I worked in the world for many years. I worked, um, I worked in an ambulance company and that, and I, before I even got saved, you know, that's a pretty rough place, man. We, we all were a bunch of young people with, with disposable income. And we were involved in a lot of bad things before I got saved. And, and so the, the, the call of the believer you and me, is to be in this world. Um, it is not to run away from this world. It's not to live in a cave. It, it is to be in this world. And I'm, I'm convinced that God has gifted you and given you the skills to work in this world to provide for your family. But what you're experiencing is actually a warning uh, that we're given, and that is that he, the question is asked, let me uh, look it up here, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the statement is made, do not be deceived, evil company will corrupt good habits. Mm-hmm. And so what's okay. happened to you is the environment that you're in, along with some sort of cooperation on your part, right, has sure, corrupted definitely. good habits. Um, it doesn't change the soil of your heart, and it doesn't change the fact that you're a believer, but you have been affected by your environment, and it's it ha- you haven't been affected against your will. Like, you have participated, you have um, adopted that language, you know, it's become habitual for you again. For me, before I got saved, you know, the F-bomb was my most favorite word. Um, right. I use that word in every sentence, and, and, I, and I know that it's still inside of me. I know it's still inside of me because it's a bad habit. It's my flesh. Now, I don't use it anymore, um, and, and really, most of the time, I don't think it anymore, Although I can't say uh, for the years that I've been a believer and the years I've been a pastor that I haven't thought it. I have thought it, and I hate it. I hate that word. Um, 
I hate all the cuss words that are in my head that are a part of my old my old past and my flesh and and I hate hearing them. Uh, if one pops up in a movie or you know I, I'm wherever I'm at baseball games you know I'm but but I also need to train you know I need to delight myself in the Lord. The Bible says that God will keep me in perfect peace as my mind is stayed on Him, and so I just choose to dismiss them in my mind or dismiss what I hear. And then I really ask God to enable me and empower me that it doesn't become a part of my vocabulary because I don't want it to be. And so I think you you were once struggling, it sounds like, and now it's not so much anymore. And we need to get back to the place where you're you're battling the spirit against the flesh and then walking in the spirit. Because right, right, like right now, you're not, you're not dropping any F-bombs on me right now. And so we know it's possible that you can right. function in life without, and, and so we just need to develop that good habit again. And we need to develop that, that sense and maybe even, not even maybe, but praying like, Lord, please protect me when I go to work. Cause I know I'm going to hear it. This is where I work. You know, these are the guys. I love these guys. I want to see them saved. And, but I, I think that's what you're experiencing. I don't think you've become bad soil. I don't think you have even become a bad Christian. I just think that you're recognizing and seeing exactly what the Bible says. And here's what he says in the next verse. He says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. And and now you're going to begin, now that you're, you know, the fact that you've recognized it is just the evidence of God living inside of you. It's a, it's actually a really good question, even though, or a really good um, call, you know, be, even though you may not feel like it, the fact that you realize it, it's really good. Excellent. Well, thank you. That is That is encouraging that I'm not just um deceiving myself i guess and you know i've got a little girl at home now a little uh toddler and so that's made me more and more concerned too about the things coming out of my mouth because i'd be horrified if i ever heard her speak like i do so and so let me ask you this why are you cussing like what's the why are those words what is it about you that has adopted this this vocabulary like is it because you get mad is it because why are they besides the fact that you're hearing them and they're being you know, you're being influenced by your environment. Why are you, why have you adopted that language? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely never anger related. I think, um, like you said, uh, habitual, I think it just, I don't even think about it. I just, um, afterwards recognize that I did, but it just kind of comes right out. And, um, yeah, I think it really is just habit. It, it doesn't even require thought, but yeah, it's never affiliated with irritation. I, I usually control my okay, tongue good. pretty well when I'm irritated and I think about what I'm going to say, but just during normal conversation, that doesn't seem to work for me. You know, and the good news is, is that we're not saved by what comes out of our mouth. You know, the language, like it's, it, we do want to have a language that it, the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths. Uh, yes. And so we definitely want to have a mouth that builds people up and encourages. And I, I, I know that having children in the home, too, really helped us develop good habits. And we developed habits in our home, raising our three kids with the, with the mindset of, you know, if, if it's not good for our kids, then it's not good for us. Definitely. Well, and, and I, I do want it to be clean at work as well, because if I do fit in super well with these guys, they're never going to, you know, wonder what's different mm-hmm. about me. And I'm never going to. Um, be successful sharing the gospel with them if I'm just like them. So I'm, I'm pretty concerned about that too. Well, praise God that you, it's on your mind and and it's it, it, you're asking for help and insight. And um, the the good news is is that God gives us the strength and the power to have mouths that honor Him and glorify Him. Absolutely, I just have to use it. So okay, all yeah. right. Well, I appreciate your help. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye.
303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to move on to Albert, Colorado. Albert, welcome to the program. Or, I'm sorry, it's Albert. Carrie is on the line. Carrie, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for taking my call, and thanks for the ministry that you do. I have a question that is a kind of an opinion question, and I get that there's going to be, it's because this is not a biblical, like there is nothing in the Bible specifically about this, so this is an opinion. It's just been something that I kind of, I go back and forth on, and I was kind of just looking for somebody else's opinion that I respect. So we've got a baker in Colorado who was uh, sued because he wouldn't make a cake for homosexual people because he um, doesn't believe in homosexual marriage, which I totally get. Where I... And and I get some of this is going to fall into, like, a category of freedom or conviction, you know, personal conviction, what's sin for one guy. It's not necessarily sin for another because we have freedom or whatever. But is it my question where I struggle is, I get that he's following his conscience. Is it better to make that kind of stand and say, I don't believe in this, I'm not going to write these words on a cake? Or would it be more loving to write the words on the cake and and say, look for an opportunity to love people well, while not necessarily, I mean, is it possible to not approve of what somebody does and still make a cake for them because that's your business? You know what I'm saying? Yes. I do. Let's uh, let's let let me let me give you the let me. I'm not going to give my opinion. I'm going to let you know what the Bible has to say about it because that's the best. That's the best way to to develop our own convictions, and and so I, I'm reminded. Um, I'm reminded in in Romans where it says that um, it's it will start in verse one. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things. But he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, and another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind." And so the Bible tells us that there are going to be different views among believers. There's going to be different levels of faith. There's going to be different places of conviction. And the Bible tells us in Romans 14, there's actually going to be a, even disagreement over that and the temptation of judging someone. And so in uh, this particular brother with Masterpiece uh, Baking, um, I support his con- fully convinced mind uh, to take the stand that he has in his relationship with God. And I don't judge him. Uh, I pray for him. I pray for the pain that this has brought to his family um, by standing by his convictions. Um, I, I think back to I think back to the uh, person that, uh, excuse me, I think back to Peter in the book of Acts when he was brought before the religious uh, judges of the day and they commanded him not to preach the gospel anymore. And he says, hey, look, you judge. You guys figure it out whether I should obey God or not, uh, God or man, but I'm going to obey God. And so um, I forget the brother's name, but uh, I know he has family that comes to our church, and and uh, I support his stand. And if there was a bake shop uh, down the street that said, no, we want to we uh, make cakes in order to reach 
uh, this particular community, I would support him too. Um, and I think that what what these op- what these situations do is they bring a a, um, a challenge to light, and then really force us to search the Lord, search our own hearts for ourselves. And the only thing I can't support among people in the body of Christ is sin. Um, I can't support sin. I won't support sin. But a person that takes a stand based on his personal conviction before the Lord and his worship of God, man, I'm I'm with him and I'm praying for him and and I'm sorry of the pain and the heartache and the the death threats and the uh, all because he's chosen to take a stand for what he believes is right before God uh, and he's a true believer and may the Lord encourage him and strengthen him and like I said, if there's a bake shop down the street that that chooses an alternative view because they want to reach. Uh, the homosexual community in a different way, man, I support them for what, for their God-given convictions because either way, you're going to be judged. And I just think this, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And you know, I was speaking to a church planner recently and just talking about what the future is going to hold and what it's going to look like. And I just said, look, th- this is going to be a difficult road because as a pastor and a leader, you have to make decisions and when you make a decision, not everybody's happy with it. And you're just going to need to get used to that, that your stand and your personal convictions, biblically, uh, standing for the Lord is going to bring about um, an, um, encouragement from some and an animosity from others. But you see, the Bible teaches us that we're not to fear man, but the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And we want to fear God and trust him with our lives uh, and hold to our own biblical convictions and I think the line that God draws is uh, not to, to go into sin. And so that would be my biblical uh, answer to your question. Thanks for calling. 303-690-3000. Peggy in Denver. Well, she has some suggestions for quitting cussing. So Peggy, what are they? You're on the air, Peggy. Oh, maybe we're not going to hear. Um or maybe we are. But hey. Can you hear me? Um, you know, there she is, Peggy. Welcome to the program. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah, I, I learned something in speech class okay. that could help. And it's okay, great. What is every, it? Every time he needs to tell his wife, every time he says a bad word, she needs to immediately turn around and yell at him, banana. <laughs> okay. It will stop you so it you won't forget and if he has a friend at work that can join in on that and every time he says a bad word Great. have the guy turn around and say banana and it kind of <laughs> shocks you and then you don't forget that it's kind of funny we learned that in speech so that we wouldn't uh do a speech and continually say um um yes i, I when i teach mm-hmm. guys to teach and I, when I teach men and women how to teach the Bible, I, I tell them to take a breath instead of, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just a, it's, it's just a word that's used to fill time while our mind's catching up with our sentence. And if you mm-hmm. pause, your mind can yeah. very much stay in tune with your voice. And, mm-hmm. but thank you for the suggestion, Peggy. Yeah. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000. So I guess if you hear people saying bananas all the time, you know what that's on their mind. 
303-690-3000 is the number. It seems like we have empty lines. Uh, and so let me go over to the text for the last few minutes and see what we've got on our text line. Uh, let's see here. Um, had a, I texted in a question yesterday, was unable to stay listening to hear the answer. Is addiction a demon possession? The answer is no, it is not. I don't know where you learned, um, who taught you that, but it's not. Addiction is a physiological uh, connection of your body to a substance. And uh, is there a demonic influence in getting someone to drink or take drugs or heroin? Yes, but addiction is addiction is not a demonic um, possession. Uh, Pastor Ed, if I've inadvertently offended someone but serious, uh, sincerely asked for their forgiveness and I'm showing lasting fruits of repentance, but one day they say, I forgive you, but I just can't trust you anymore, and they break off relationship completely, is that true forgiveness? Uh, wasn't the grand purpose of God's forgiveness to restore the broken relationship between mankind and himself? Are we not called to be holy? Well, this is a difficulty. Uh, it's a great question, by the way, uh, and it's a difficulty when we fail others. And I just shared this, I think, last night in our Bible study, um, that God is immediately quick to forgive and to help us move on with our lives, but people are not so quick. And I don't, you know, a text question is really hard to get into all the dynamics of this, but but part of me uh, does understand how trust needs to be rebuilt again. Um, and so is it possible to forgive someone and not trust them yet? Yes, it is. It is possible. I can't speak for this person, so I'm, please don't take my answer as like vindicating this other person because I don't know all the I don't know I don't know both sides of the story. But in a general sense, is is it possible to forgive and not trust? Yes, uh, because trust is a relational issue, and it sounds like whatever you did broke their trust, and trust to be built up again takes time especially when it's been broken and wounded and it's associated with a pain, like, for example, adultery or, or watching pornography. Um, that's a devastating blow to a wife. And you can't just gloss it over. Um, it's painful. Uh, it hurts. And, and to a husband. I mean, if a woman commits adultery, I, I, unfortunately, in the years of ministry, I've seen it both ways. It, and so the idea of just communicating, I can't trust you. Now, breaking off the relationship, I, I don't know what that means. I, mean, I don't know if that's the significance of of the pain that they're feeling in the moment but you're right it is god's heart for reconciliation but i know this without repentance there can be no reconciliation uh and and so in this case it sounds like there's repentance on your end but this other person might be acting like the older son in the prodigal son story of the prodigal father you know where the older son was so upset that he needed to repent but he was so filled with pride that he wouldn't and so um, it's it's something that you, as you say, I tried to tried and tried with this person, but they simply refuse. Commit them to the Lord and develop other relationships and friendships, while you wait for God to do the work. Um, because you, you're trying is not going, as you can see, is not going to make any progress at all. Only the Holy Spirit can do what you are seeking to be done, and you need to wait um, diligently for him to work in their lives. All right, let's go on to line number two. 
is Laura in Aurora, Colorado. Laura, Hi. welcome to the program. How are you? Good. I just had a What's question. A friend and I were talking about um, whether or not to be cremated or buried, and then we got to kind of talking about whether there's any biblical references to encourage one way or the other. There are and no I biblical references. Yeah. No biblical references that encourage or or really discourage cremation. It is it, it is a personal choice um, of what to do with the body uh, of a loved one and a friend that's deceased. Um, you know, cre- sometimes people will say, "Well, cremation was a pagan practice, so don't be like the pagans." But it, it wasn't a pagan practice of worship. Um, you know, the Jews strictly bury their dead. That's their tradition. But the Bible doesn't say one way or the other. God doesn't forbid cremation, um, it, and it doesn't encourage cremation. Um, it's it's a personal family choice. So you wouldn't be sinning uh, if you chose it, and you wouldn't be ch- sinning if you chose to bury. Okay, great. No, I appreciate that, because we were kind of talking about when the Lord comes back and, you know, takes your body up and all that. So we were just kind of m- maybe thinking about it a little bit more than we had yeah. previously. Our pastor Chuck, uh, our our pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith, who started Calvary Chapel, he would he used to teach us. He's in heaven now, so he knows the full picture. But he he used to teach us that cremation does in in twenty minutes uh, what natural processes do in twenty years. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye. Well, with that note, thanks for joining me today. I, was, I count it such a privilege to be with you and uh, pray for me. I'll be teaching at a conference next week in Tucson, Arizona, and. Just love going to Tucson and the family, my family there. Uh, so pray for me, would you? I want to be used greatly by the Lord. Love you guys, your family. See many of you at church this weekend. CalvaryAurora.org. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.